0: You're listening to I Got That One.
1: Presented by Tom and
0: Can you believe it? It's already the penultimate episode of the first round of University Challenge Season 52. <laughs> Just very
1: much goes to show how labyrinthine and complex this show is. But yes, one more to go, and then we go into higher scoring losers, and then we go into second round, and then maybe Christmas at some point, and then
0: <laughs> Maybe Christmas? We're not sure if Christmas is on this year. <laughs> Have we been good enough boys and girls? Yeah,
1: exactly. So yes, basically one more to go. And then we
0: had the highest scoring losers. Indeed. Indeed. It was so uh, labyrinthine and weird, that it almost broke my brain in the beginning. Right. It clearly did. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So with this one, we have another interesting matchup. We have uh-huh. Newnham Cambridge, which I believe is one of the few remaining uh, single-sex colleges... Yes. Existence. Yes. And the Courtold Institute of Arts, Whom we have seen bringing the Lukes and
1: slaying, not only in the Lukes department, but in the knowledge department, and this was
0: no exception. Absolutely. We last saw Courtold two seasons, three seasons ago?
1: Two, perhaps.
0: I think it was during a Brandon um, <laughs> season. That was
1: two, I think.
0: Yes, yeah, so, uh, some time ago. So... Of the two times we've seen them, they've definitely punched above their weight. Mm. And you think, oh, because they're a hyper-specialized um, college, that you think, okay, maybe, you know, you have to hope that you're really kind of stretching your extracurriculars. But I think that they must have a really good kind of quizzing program, mm-hmm. because I've always been very impressed at what they have to offer.
1: Or maybe it just takes a particularly refined, cultured individual to get into the Kyoto Institute anyway. <laughs> Okay.
0: Wow. I mean, I assume it's a very exclusive project because it's one of the smallest colleges. Um, I mean, okay. Part.
1: We're going to go through the, the, the disciplines anyway. But if you look at them, it's, it's, I think a lot more than we give them credit for. Just from the name alone, we think that, oh, it's an art college and it's an art school, but it's, it's so much more than that. So I think that's where this kind of breadth of knowledge mm. um, comes from because it's, it's a particular type of student that it attracts, right? That's What I was
0: saying, yeah, no, I, I get what you mean. I mean, it's very similar to how Oxford and Cambridge do their kind of applications. Mm. It's not just being good at your subject, it's kind of mm. who you are as a person. Are you open to knowledge? Yeah. Can you do a bit of reasoning, mm. that kind of stuff? So, yeah, it's excellent.
1: It's excellent. It's I'm great sh- representation. I'm sure that. it's
0: harder to get into culture than it is into several uh universities. <laughs> I can
1: imagine. So, on the Newnham side, um, we had I think more weighted towards humanities, I would we say had so. kind of English, uh, languages philosophy, and the history of science. Mm-hmm. So definitely, you know, some element of science there, but more to do with kind of the history of science, um, how it's developed as a discipline and a form of knowledge, I suppose.
0: Absolutely. Um, I mean, has to say, You can maybe stretch it and say that there's a science to uh, being good at languages.
1: Yeah, Specifically
0: studying languages as a concept, but then specializing in three. I think it was French, Russian, and Polish.
1: Yes, I think so.
0: Which is quite a combination.
1: Yeah, it is. Because, well, French and... French and German, you're saying. So all three have
0: different roots. French, Russian, Polish.
1: Uh, French, Russian, and Polish. So all have kind of th- uh, three very different roots.
0: Absolutely. I and mean, have
1: very little connection to each other, I mean, from what I understand. There
0: is some connection, I think, between Polish and Russian. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that was a deviation quite a while ago. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I am very impressed. Yeah,
1: that's super impressive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you said, definitely more kind of uh, humanities focused. Mm-hmm. Although, having said that, when we look at the disciplines uh, over on the courthold side...
1: Yeah, so super interesting again. We had um the art of Renaissance Italy, mm-hmm. right? So again, not only art, but um the context of how art was developed in a particular historical period in a country. Mm-hmm. Then we have the history of art, same thing. Then very interesting, circum-Atlantic visual culture of the late colonial period. So we had to Google what circum-Atlantic
0: was. I mean, my understanding of this is treating the Atlantic as a shared cultural space where mm. there is constant, you know, interchanges of uh, cultural identities and kind of uh, signifiers mm. across a space which has now been open because previously the ocean was too wide for having that kind of exchange.
1: Yeah, I think that's a pretty good understanding of what that is. I'm also interested in in the part about the late colonial period. So maybe how colonial powers at the time might have um, shaped some of these trades, exchanges, relationships between both sides of the Atlantic Ocean.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. It definitely had a dominant part in that. Um Although, also, I guess one of the uh, other side effects is that you have these people from colonial powers who have a fascination with these other cultures they've never sure, seen before. yeah, yeah. And they try and bring that in and try and raise awareness in some way. Of course, it's going to be through a very specific lens. Yeah, and very... that's something they that have to kind of decontextualize, decolonialize to... Yeah. Able to get to the roots of it. But... Absolutely.
1: But anyway, this is super interesting. So, McMeekin, if you're out there, you want to tell us a bit more about what you do, um, you can clearly tell that we're very interested. Absolutely. And then we have also 20th century Russian art. So, again, it, like to me, it, it actually is so clear how um, students from Courtauld are so great at University Challenge because it's, it's like what you said, it's people that have a deep interest in particular fields of study. Um, and that draws from multiple dif- uh, different disciplines as well. So there you go.
0: Yeah. I mean, just like how you can learn so much about the history of a country by the kind of coins or currency it was using, mm-hmm. especially if it's minted coins because it tells you who was in power, what they were trying to signify, yeah. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You can learn a lot about you know someone's cultural identity and history from the kind of art that was produced at the time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What
0: was the main cultural impact? What was the countercultural movement? Mm-hmm. I mean, for example, 20th century Russian art. Very clearly, it's about you know the impact of uh, socialism and communism on mm-hmm. art, mm-hmm. and how it was co-opted as a kind of propaganda. Maybe if there were subtle kinds of fighting against it by yes. certain artists who maybe didn't fully agree with the um, yeah, regime.
1: Which is a fascinating way to understand art. I mean. I'd love to understand art using more of that historical, political context in which it was created. So anyway, I think clearly we could go on about this, but... um
0: yeah, speaking, yeah, we should move on. <laughs> yeah, speaking of um, you know, understanding, I would say that both these teams have a very good understanding of uh, the subjects that were present yeah, in the questions. Yeah. I think
1: it was a I mean, I was going to say it was a really close, energetic, fun, mm-hmm. high-scoring game. I enjoyed watching both of these teams immensely. It was clear that not only were they um, you know, really knowledgeable, but they worked really well together. I think they were enjoying themselves. They had great kind of easy, flowing communication going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was great.
0: No, absolutely. I think that both teams. It's very hard to separate where one might have been stronger over the other. Mm-hmm. Maybe Kortold were a little bit uh, more consistent in their bonuses. Yeah. Um. But other than that, these were two very strong teams, and I think that uh, we would have seen a very different score if, um, for example, Union had something that was slightly easier, or likewise, if Courtold had someone who was maybe you know not as strong, would had a, a much more dominant score because. Yeah. I think this is one of the highest scoring uh, first rounds.
1: Yeah, definitely one of. I mean, with the final score of 160 to um, Newnham and 175 to courtold So both of these teams definitely coming back. Obviously, um, yeah. Yeah, Newnham has uh, definitely made it past Absolutely, yeah. the minimum highest scoring losers. So yeah, I think definitely one of the highest scores. We'll see later in the starter and bonus percentages that this was excellent
0: as well. Yeah, this also means that whoever is playing next, they have to hope to get Minimum 135 if they're yeah. the losing sides to be guaranteed a place, which is
1: tricky. I think you have to be you have to have a, a really good first run absolutely to, to ensure that
0: for sure. Um, yeah, um, I don't think there's much else to say in terms of individual performances. Uh, so because they were just such strong teams, yeah. So I think it's now a good time to talk about uh, some of the questions that we sure. have.
1: What were some of your favorite questions?
0: I have to say. Uh, you could definitely feel the impact of uh, Lillian Crawford's um, question setting because we had the music round was about music from the Moulin Rouge, mm-hmm. specifically hearing the original version of songs that were kind of stylized to fit. Um, yeah. Because that's one of the fun things about Baz Luhrmann movies mm-hmm. is that he looks at, you know, the kind of proper contemporary music you should be playing and goes, nah, let's choose some pop culture <laughs> songs and make it sound like maybe they could be sung in this era.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And that's just a lot of fun to listen to.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a choice. But there
0: you go. <laughs> I think it's a choice I fully agree with. Yeah. I think I really enjoyed a, the first picture round because okay. I really like a good flag round.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that one. also. So it's um, flags of islands, mm-hmm. um, which were actually subnational countries or entities.
0: Yes, which is... I didn't realize that the Isle of Wight was considered a subnational entity. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just considered a, uh, one of the counties of England.
1: Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I guess how what's the difference then between a county or, or i guess you're administered directly for form of local government some in some respect and then you have a subnational entity which is somehow different i have no idea
0: i mean it could be a completely arbitrary setting i might be thinking <laughs> when you say subnational entity i was thinking maybe it had to be something that had a Relative level of autonomy, but uh, maybe that's not true. Maybe it doesn't mean anything that is not a national entity Mm -hmm. uh, uh, is considered that. So I guess they could have used flags of various English counties, for example.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting because you never really um, hear more, hear about these countries. Absolutely. On on the map. But anyway, I also liked um, one of the philosophy bonuses, Mm -hmm. mainly because it was really fun to see Newnham just burn through them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Correct.
0: Yeah. That was definitely one where it hits uh one of those things where they were very comfortable and yeah. they just absolutely dominated. Yeah. One uh round of questions that I really liked was the second picture round, which was all about uh trans representation.
1: In TV shows, right? Yes. Yeah, that was cool.
0: And I thought that was you know just a fantastic one, especially mm. considering uh the state of the world right now. <laughs> I think it's good to just normalize and with uh, the, the state fa- of
1: discourse in Britain as well.
0: Well, yeah, Britain in particular, for sure. But Mm. it's just good that we are able to have something just so treated so normally on Mm. a university challenge. uh, Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: Giving more visibility and mainstreaming a lot of topics that would never have made seen the light of day. Absolutely. Just uh, 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Mm. There was actually one starter question, which um, I took note of because I believe it's going to start some uh, minor discourse. Okay. So, um, one of the starter questions was about a queen who has statues in uh, two different country- uh, okay, cities. Okay, cool. And it is Queen Budica or Boudicca, as uh, said by Macro. Okay. So, this is one of the most ongoing uh, discussions. I am sure it is. Yeah. Well, it's because we only have her written down. Um, okay. But she's written down with two different spellings. Okay. There's Buddhika, which is a double C. There's also Buddhisia, where it's an EA okay. uh, sound. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just an interesting, um, you know, thing that happens where we have someone who is quite a significant part of a national myth.
1: Right. But we never know how quite to pronounce. Well, yeah. Well, what, um, what language is that name in?
0: Well, this was during early Roman Britain. Uh-huh. So it would have been, by uh, ancient Britannic language. Fairly similar to Welsh, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Now, she's famous because um, her, she was the wife of a major tribal uh, king. Okay. Who, upon his death, um, I think the Romans messed around with his will and said that actually uh, the Romans now were able to claim his lands. Mm-hmm. She uh, rose up against the Romans and sacked three major uh, Roman towns, including London. Wow. Uh, yeah. She famously caused massive massive damage and it took a a fairly large Roman army to put her down. Mm-hmm. And that was the last, I think, major revolt to happen in uh, Britain during uh, the Roman occupation.
1: Mm-hmm. And so there's two statues of her now?
0: Well, yeah, because, you know, she's yeah. a, a symbol of British rebellion, kind yeah, of. Yeah, cool. You know, back when Britain was actually a colonized nation rather than a Britain colonizing...
1: Rebelling against itself. Well, <laughs> against
0: a foreign occupier. But yeah. Yeah, I guess you could kind of talk about, you know, how much mm-hmm. uh, we kind of subsumed Rome as an identity into how the English uh, view the world.
1: Yeah, no, that's always a fascinating part of history.
0: Absolutely. Um, in terms of questions, uh, those are the main ones that kind of, you know, stood out to me. Are yeah. there any others that uh, you... No,
1: same for me, to be honest. Uh, should we move into some stats
0: then? Yeah, let's have a look at some stats.
1: So, yeah, pretty good high-scoring round
0: yeah we should mention uh that now that we're back on the usual time of a Monday we're able to use UC stats again yes
1: yeah, so a courtesy of UC stats on Twitter so if you look at starter questions, this was I think one of the highest um starter score we've ever seen ten out of twelve starters on both sides hmm so eighty three percent so they pretty much got almost all of their starters correct that's impressive unfortunately a few incorrect interruptions here and there that uh, on Newnham's side especially that caused some drop points. Yeah, that
0: was the most unfortunate uh, last drop point. Yeah. When Chen, I believe she was trying to turn around and accidentally hit the buzzer with her elbow.
1: Yeah, but I think it was so close that it probably would not have made a difference in the end because it was right at the goal. Well,
0: the thing is that if she uh, if Chima had buzzed in correctly, if she had the answer, that would have been a... 170, um, right? It would have been 175. Because remember, they dropped five points on an incorrect interruption. So it would have so been would have a defeat.
1: <laughs> it would have been a sudden death. We would have had our second uh,
0: sudden death of uh, the I season. Oh,
1: with its lightning and thunder.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, I hope uh, this time we have lightning <laughs> and thunder because previously it was just a one more question, here you go kind yeah. of Yeah, uh, so if the
1: production and questions set us are listening to us, we want. Special effects. Yeah, I'm
0: not sure the question setters have much to <laughs> say in their matter, but yeah. Production team, come on. Yeah,
1: Just you know. a little
0: bit of, I'm sure you have canned funders somewhere yeah, in uh, you the know archives.
1: shoes to grease. I don't know if that's the right expression.
0: <laughs> shoes to grease. Whatever.
1: So, <laughs> in terms of bonus questions, uh, not the strongest, I suppose. So, on the Cambridge side, uh, Newnham side, 14 out of 30. So, just under 50%. Okay. And on the Court side, 16 out of 30. So, just over 50%.
0: Okay, so another team have quite managed that uh, magical number of high fifties, mm. low sixties, but I would say that Cottol pretty close. Yeah, and I think that it was more of a case of just some of the bonuses didn't quite fit their wheelhouse. Yeah, I mean to be fair, there were some very complicated, uh, you know, scientific questions that they had to answer,
1: <laughs> which they did well. I think. They yeah, they did well. I mean, really
0: well. it went whoosh, completely over my head. So you <laughs> know, the fact that they were able to at least attempt them was pretty good.
1: Yeah, and then um six out of those ten correct from Kotol came from Dodds. That is
0: very impressive. So
1: exceptional. And then uh five correct from Ellis on the Newnham site. Also shout out to Holloway Strong mm-hmm. for quite yeah. a number of correct answers too.
0: I would say Holloway Strong was definitely... She showed her strength when it came to the bonuses. Yeah.
1: yeah she was yeah, definitely...
0: Yeah a significant voice uh, when it came uh, to yeah, that part oh, super interesting I loved and you them. could tell because Ellis would uh, on uh, quite a few occasions you know nominate her to uh, give the answer yeah,
1: yeah. so I, I, like I was saying at the beginning I think the, the, the camaraderie in both of these teams was really good and really fun to watch
0: I think that's the benefit of representing such a small institution. Mm. You're more likely to hang out yeah, naturally. And so fair. you could see that having that kind of natural charisma cohesion really helps. Yeah, yeah. It's what I felt like gave the Edinburgh team of last season such uh, strength as well. You could, yeah. It was very clear that they got on well outside of the team setting. hmm so I believe that definitely helps as compared to larger institutions where you might struggle to find a time mm-hmm. to meet up and, uh, um, yeah, you know, prepare.
1: exactly. Well, either way, I'd really look forward to seeing both of these teams again. I hope they make it far.
0: Yeah. I, it depends on who they match against. Mm-hmm. If Oriel are able to keep their place, then I think that, uh, Neumann do have a chance. Mm-hmm. But if it's against, uh, Bristol, I'm not sure because Bristol were also incredibly strong. They were, they were. And that was more of a case of they just, were not quite strong enough against Durham. Not that they were mm. weaker. That was <laughs> They are definitely a team to so watch as I well. So I'm
1: actually really excited now for these highest scoring losers.
0: Yeah, speaking of excited, mm-hmm. we are now moving on to the best part of this show, I would say. Mm-hmm. Definitely the one where, you know, it matters the most. <laughs> and it is, of course, our uh, best rest. And
1: we did a poll.
0: As per usual. And uh, so... I have to say that I kind of suspected that uh, I was going to get these results. (laughs) The only surprise was um, uh, how little of a dominance uh, Dodds had in our poll. Right. (laughs) I mean, I'm not even going to say what the percentage is. Like, you know, Dodds was the one who won the poll. Yeah. And um, I think it was, she was our pick as well.
1: Yes, yes, mine for sure.
0: I mean, yeah, it's just, I think. Entering USC Challenge and wearing a beret is just an automatic win.
1: Right. So it's like a black black turtleneck or the statement, silver necklace, um, and then a brown and gray kind of jacket. Um,
0: It was definitely a nice, colorful jacket to offset uh, the black of uh, uh, turtleneck. (laughs)
1: Unfortunately, my, my language abilities around describing fashion is quite limited. So I don't know if that was a jacket or if it was something else.
0: Might be in a blazer. I don't know. I, my language (laughs) is even less developed than yours when it comes to fashion. Yeah, and then
1: that beret as well. So, and then the red lipstick. I thought that was, you know what? Up there in terms of this season's looks.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I could tell that Coulthard were going to be the ones who bought the strongest looks because I think. You know, someone who enters an art college knows something about, uh, you know, aesthetics. Yeah. And so, you know, you're either going to be, you know, really into it on a personal level or you are treated in such a kind of academic way that you just don't dress yeah. <laughs> to it at all. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, well, I it, think we saw more, more of the former at this time. Almost everybody
0: served... Absolutely. I mean, not quite the levels of serving that we had from the uh, last time we saw Kortle perform. Well, but, I don't know. Um, I think, think Dodds
1: gives them a run for their money.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think that college really brought the looks as well uh, yeah. when we saw her a well, Yeah, ago.
1: another reason to look forward to seeing them again.
0: Absolutely. Of course, uh, I will say special mention to Holloway Strong because mm-hmm. I thought that she looked extremely elegant. Yeah, yeah, true. Alice as well. Alice too, um, yeah. Yeah, because, you know... Every now and then you see a, uh, a crew cart, um on a yeah yeah absolutely. On a sort of and thing mention. and it really works yeah. in this case. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I really um, like seeing that also, yeah. Yeah, but I could definitely tell that this was one of the better dressed kind of uh, full <laughs> stop. Both teams were really kind of, you know, putting in the effort. Definitely. I would say. Definitely. So well done to both, but especially well done to Dots because, uh, you know, perfect choice. Mm. No, no. Chef's kiss. Yes, uh, speaking of uh, no-notes, it is now time to wrap up this uh, whole... Uh, shebang. Shebang, shebeel, sheboobl, sheboobl, so,
1: We. You can get in touch with us if you are doing an interesting major that compobulates us and you'd like to tell us more. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at I Got That One. You
0: mean the Twittittles?
1: Yeah, <laughs> or, or the e <laughs> at podcast at gmail.com. Not only that, but if you've got any, a thing you want to say about what we've, we've, we've said so far, any comments, feedback, whatever, we'd love to hear from you.
0: Absolutely. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, one final thing I would like to say before we close out is uh, trans- Translators Matter. If you don't agree, uh, I would like you to please uh, delete this podcast and never listen again. And on that note, it's uh, goodbye from me. And
1: goodbye from me.